nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the Pickup app today. That's PKUP and wake up worry free. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Gravel, and we're joined by Jeff Slater, a.k.a. Doc, of Team Sydney Techno Auto Sports. He's come back from Tasmania, back in the warmth of Queensland after shedding the six or seven jumpers he was more likely wearing. Uh, that is correct. Only six this time, Tony. <laughs> Let's start off with uh, looking at uh, how Tasmania, as a race weekend, ran for Team Sydney. There was obviously two cars, two Commodores, and uh, I think you said to me 14 people down there for the event? Uh, we're allowed 11 uh, actual personnel to work on the car, so only 11 full-time staff, or 11 staff, should I say. And so how did the weekend pan out as far as an event concerned sort of thing? In two days, different qualifying and that sort of thing, and shortened races? Uh, I think the two-day format is a really good idea. Uh, the fact that there's a, a curfew after the first day enables crews to go home, get some extra rest that we never used to get. Uh, so I actually like the two-day format. Uh, as far as the two-day event for Team Sydney, uh, we had our ups and downs. We've been making some progress with the car. It seems like every time we wake one step forward, we've been taking two steps backwards. But this weekend, we seem to finally take one step forward. And um, we had some positive qualifying results with Fabian <coughs> uh, in the top almost been cracking the top 10 with 11th and 13th and um, still needs a bit of progress with the second car but you know, Gary's trying his, his bum off so to speak and uh, so overall it was a positive weekend but we just didn't nail the results. As such the, the format not only the uh, idea of two days but you know the, 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 you've got a lot of uh, sessions on the Saturday in particular two practices um the, the multi-session qualifying, and then the race. So, you know, that was sort of three or four times on track at least. Um, that takes a fair bit of organising. It, it does, and uh, it really pays that to be uh, a, a team that's got a, a, a setup or a baseline setup that's pretty good to hit, hit the track with straight away. And that's why the top teams are always at the front. You know, they roll out of their trucks, they set up the sounds, and just organising the crew and the cars is just a big effort for those two days. I mean, that was something that you and I would remember from the early 2000s when HRT was in its uh, dominating role. And that was the thing that was most prevalent was that they always had a go-to setup that they just, as you say, roll out of the truck and they're being on the pace. Um, as such, the, the qualifying, did, did it miss you about? Did you feel you were, you were in any way stymied or handicapped? It? it depends on who you ask. If you look at the session A and the session B and sessions that the sessions follow, should I say, so qualifying A following a, a touring car masters or a Aussie touring car, 
know, the, the track may not be at best, so it, it feels like those in session A may be handicapped. Um, also, the, the competitive nature of qualifying A seems to be all the, the big guns from most teams are in that session. So some can say session, session A's and session B, there's, there's a handicap to it or there's not a handicap to it. Really, is reality is, sorry, um, everyone's in the same position. So uh, it, it's different. I think we all need to get our heads around it. Um, whether there needs to be an adjustment to it, obviously that's for smarter men than me to decide. Have you been asked any questions by supercar management about the qualifying? Uh, personally, I have not. It seems surprising, um, given that they say it's under review. I would have thought one of the first things would be asking the team managers as to your input into this review. Uh, I'm sure supercars will. Uh, first of all, they'll... they'll uh, look within themselves before they take it externally. One of the things that uh, I happened to notice, and I didn't obviously see you on camera talking, but Fabian, several times that he was interviewed, that he was, um, he certainly seemed far more optimistic than, the, say, the times where I spoke to him at Sandown. Just feeling that the, the results are, you know, getting an impact on him as well. I mean, absolutely. The, the first uh, official test that we did as a team uh, we had a lot of problems. Fabian uh, is very much a confidence driver, and we were just struggling with getting the brake package to his liking. And I think over treating Bathurst like a test um, as well and, and using Sandown to further gain knowledge, I think we've got the braking package of the car within the window that Fabian is now comfortable with. Um, so now we can start assessing the balance of the car and what we need to do to uh, make it more to his liking and make it faster. Given that you're, you know, a race team that's running at the extreme end of having to, you know, manage and race engineer and get those sort of things happening from a distance with Team Sydney um, being based in Sydney now, you, you got used to this sort of uh, situation last year working in America, but based in Columbus, Ohio, where you were with Rail Lanning and Letterman. Tell us a little bit about how the things you learned from that in what you're doing now. So being distanced from your team or your drivers is something I think most people had to cope with last year with, with COVID. So uh, being based on Gold Coast at the moment myself, uh, when we do the driver's briefings, obviously with the, a COVID outbreak that we had in Brisbane several weeks ago, our meetings were performed via Zoom and you know all, all participate the way that you usually would. There's just the physical distancing that's, that's involved. As opposed uh, to last year, the drivers were the ones that were distanced, but the rest of the team was uh, together in Columbus. Uh, we did have several staff members that were scattered around America, one in India and one in California, etc. So as a whole, we weren't there together, but you know, 90% of the team was, was based in the workshop. Uh, I would say with Team Sydney, maybe... 25, 30% is based in a workshop, and we want to grow that. It, it's difficult to get people to want to move to Sydney and, and join this program, but I think if we start pushing the development that we're doing and, and hopefully getting results very soon, that uh, it will inspire people to move to Sydney. But as I said, we've got, say, 35% based in Sydney, but I'm constantly down in Sydney wherever is required, and whoever is required in Sydney gets down there. So. Uh, several weeks ago, I would say 90% of our team was in Sydney, but the, the, the basis is remote, remotely working at the moment, I would say. Do you feel you're disadvantaged 
by this system at the moment? I would say we're not capable of performing at 100% at the moment. So we probably are disadvantaged a little, but that doesn't mean we can't put the pieces in place to, to make it an effective effective work environment. What, what are the other elements that you need? You know, I mean, you know, obviously we're talking here about race setup, driver input. Are there, are there physical things that you're missing or, or not having is, is handicapping you at the moment? At the moment, our main concern or our main focus is just get the basics right. It effectively is a whole new team um, from Team Sydney last year to Team Sydney this year. I mean, it's new engineers, new drivers. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, one or two of the crew members are the same, but effectively it's a new crew. So we are starting from scratch, but there's a foundation already from techno from years ago that, that's there in terms of equipment and things like that. So we may be short staffed and we are so that's one thing that we, we really need to get our head around um, and equipment wise I'm sure we are you know, down on certain things but as I said our focus is on getting the basics right so getting the car prepped to uh, the best of our ability making sure our pit stops go as smoothly as possible and and focus really needs to be on you know, every small effort that we make to get the car on track, make the car run effectively and perform what we need to do. And then we'll look at all those smaller things that will make uh, a greater impact later on. One thing that I do find fascinating is we spoke to Tom Howard, formerly of Speed Cafe and and now working in England uh, at the end of last year. And he said the BTCC model is... Uh, vastly different to the supercar model where they only have about three or four mechanics or technicians, if you like. The system is so controlled that most of the components are, uh, you know, bought in off the shelf and, and put in the car and then just maintenance done on them. And then the rest of the people that are there on the weekends are fly in, fly out, engineers, you know, all those sorts of things. They don't do a lot of the things that you're used to with um, the supercars. Is that something that we're going to see is going to become uh, more of a, a norm, perhaps not for your your Triple Eights and your Tickfords DJR, but for the rest of the teams, your Aerobuses, your... your um, Team Sydney, Team 18, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I, I think it probably will become the norm. Um, it, it is a model that um, obviously with controlled environments of Gen 3 or you know, a Carrera Cup example, you can get away with having the car prepped by your permanent crew and uh, whether you have one or two management there, engineer, team manager, etc for the organisational component of it um, and then get your flying guys um, to, to come in for the race events. I mean, a lot of, a lot of good staff have left. <coughs> Excuse me. It was very cold in Tasmania. Forgive my, my cold. <coughs> um, a, a lot of good staff have left the, the supercar environment and gone off into the real world, they like to say. And... Um, but they're freely available to come for race weekends, and it's that experience that you you can't 
you can't get readily. So if they're available to come in and, and help out with race, race weekends, I'm sure um, trying to encourage more than just you know, the 10 or 12 teams that are already in the supercar field, you know, trying to encourage people like Matt White to come into the main game and, and Eggleston's and teams that are in the, the DBS or the Super 2 category, getting them into um, the main game. Uh, that's the model that they would adapt to, and it, it's totally achievable. Um, but we, we have to have control the environment with the car, so to speak. So I think it's just like maintenance is, is all that is required. Development of the car doesn't take before, so um, all the smaller teams will have as much advantage of winning a race as what the bigger teams do. Is the 11 and uh, talk is maybe 12 next year, how do you balance that up between mechanic and engineer? And do you start making decisions about, well, an engineer will give us this much, a technician gives us this much, we'll have the team manager, we'll have Jono start running tyres to the to the Dunlop share to, to the Dunlop trailer and and have him down at race fuels. Um, that is something that you again have to ask someone <laughs> smarter than me. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, obviously the foot soldiers, the mechanics, they're the ones that do all the prep. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, they're in the firing line. Um, I think they're of greater importance to some degrees of the model, but also having the organisational skills that management bring or the engineering now that you know a, a top-quality engineer brings. They're all uh, valid components. Um, how you weigh them up, I'm sure, will be dependent team to team. So how do you make the decision? Uh, well, being a team manager and engineer, I'm priority number one at the moment. But uh, to be honest, as I said, you, you need good quality staff on on the floor. So me, me, mechanics take top priority. Has there been an interest? We've always heard Brad Jones has had a uh, an ability to get people there because they see how much cheaper it is than Melbourne um, to be able to live and buy a house and have a have a country lifestyle, a rural lifestyle. Have you started to see interest <coughs> from people about? Well, maybe I'd like to live in the country's biggest city. Uh, we are slowly working through that at the moment. There's, there's been a few um, a few inquiries, but uh, naturally we'd like to see a lot more inquiries, but uh, we're slowly, slowly picking through it. Your next meeting is Taylor Men, uh, which uh, I'd be right in thinking you haven't been to yet. Uh, I did a wild card in 2018, I believe. Of course you did, with the Kostekis. With Kostekis, with Kurt, yes. Are there, I mean, obviously it bears no relationship at all with Simmons Plains other than the fact you've got the same car and the same driver um, and the rest of the parameters are all just totally out the door. Um, you've got very different uh, requirements this time round, tyre-wise, I would understand, from uh, when you last ran there. Uh, it's been so long since I've run there, Tony, that now we'll have to check what we ran there last time. So I believe it was hard tyres last time we ran at the Taylor Bend when I was there. And you've only been to probably another 20 or 30 different racetracks since then. <laughs> Absolutely. So everyone has melded together, but um, that, naturally the, the nature of the course is vastly different yeah. from uh, the point in 
go <coughs> track with Simmons playing. So uh, the, the setup balance-wise would probably be similar, but uh, you know, obviously stiffnesses will have to change and things like that. It's the case of your uh, your race engineer's guidebook. The pages are stuck together, so you've got to learn to uh, part them again so you can read what the actual setup to put in the car. That's exactly it. Doc, it's been wonderful uh, having you back on the show again, and uh, we look forward to uh, catching up with you in person at uh, Salem Bend. Um, thank you for joining us at Inside Supercars. Best with uh, the coming week. Sounds good. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Craig. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more, or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.